Yes, Pastor Adrian, I'm given this awesome responsibility of covering this topic today. No pressure, no pressure. No, no, no. No pressure. I'm excited to share on this topic um, as well as very, very anxious because I'm now reminded to go back to make sure that my browser, after all the research on this topic, <laughs> is still reflective of research. Good morning. We are going to be covering uh, this topic, uh, continuing on the book series okay, of 1 Corinthians. And uh, I like to tell people uh, in church, actually, that we should have more open conversations about sex as our world and the society today have you know, seriously distorted this beautiful gift from God, isn't it? Today we are going to be looking at this topic from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and to see how Paul addresses sexual immorality and for us to understand, I pray, God's design of sex and how it relates to our lives today. So allow me to read the passage taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 to 20. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food is for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By His power, God raised the Lord from the dead and He will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that He who unites Himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with Him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. The big idea for today is really enveloped at that two last verses today when we talk about sex. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. So honour God with your bodies. We have been studying the context of 1 Corinthians in Paul's time where the church was dealing with multiple issues that threatened to divide the church and more importantly, the message of the gospel. So quick review. For the first... Oh no, this is not... Hmm. Ah, this one. Okay. In the first sermon, Paul calls for unity of the church by directing us back to our calling as God's people and to be followers of Christ, not men. Second sermon, to discern in the world with true wisdom. Today, 
It has to come from the Holy Spirit. And that is what Pastor Ben has preached for us a couple of weeks back. True wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit that unites and defines the faith community that rests upon God's Word and the Holy Spirit. Third sermon last week, PIC shares with us from 1 Corinthians where Paul calls for discipline within the church and for discipline to reflect restoration and healing. No matter how painful it might be, for this is what sets us apart as God's people from the world, where discipline usually isolates and destroys. And in today's passage, Paul addressed the city's culture as one which is immersed in sexual promiscuity. From chapter 5, quoting from PIC last week, the city of Corinth was described as a sex-obsessed city. Now, I just want to pause here and say this. Um, I'm going to be repeating the word sex a lot. Apparently, it made some people dizzy yesterday. So there is about 85 times left. (laughs) Get ready to receive the word of the Lord. Amen? The city of Corinth was described as a sex-obsessed city. No count. Paul brought up an example of a man having sex with his stepmother. Now, not only did the church tolerate it, but it seemed to be congratulating themselves on their broad-mindedness of it. Now, it seems that the city or even the church community, that the people were engaging in casual sex, viewing it as a mere physical act devoid of any consequence. Now, the Bible has a lot to tell us about sex. And like the city of Corinth, I don't think we have changed very much today. Our society hasn't changed much either. And it is getting more and more accessible, isn't it? This is not my phone screen. (laughs) Just want to clarify. Just want to clarify. But this looks familiar no matter what. Today, we are wrestling with the same issues that people face for thousands of years. And if anyone prefer liberal sexual views, well, you are going to like Corinth as a city. There were some that believed that sex is for procreation, rightly so. Some saw sex as recreation, not procreation, recreation. And had no problem with men having sex outside of marriage with slaves with temple or street prostitutes, or perhaps with other people of lower classes finding favour in life. There was also a huge double standard where adultery only happened and is accused of when the other partner is of married status. Homosexual activities was also very much part of the world where Paul was in the Roman Empire, including the city of Corinth. So yes, there are differences in the way we think about sex and sexuality as compared to now, but the depravity of sexuality remains the same. We live in a sexual culture then, we live in a sexual culture now. And this is where Paul appeals to his readers about biblical sexuality in 
the verses that we read about how honouring God with our bodies. And so allow me to share the following thoughts in this framework of three theological realities that Paul highlighted, leading to transformation of two sexual destinies. And I'll conclude with one great lie. Three theological realities that Paul raised up. First, sex is God's design. We do not learn it from the internet, nor a textbook, nor sexual education. Sex is God's design. As a church, we have to claim it back. There is this argument in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 12 and 13 that Paul presented about rights and freedom to do anything. Yeah, to do anything. He wanted to address the Corinthians' understanding of their freedom and the message that comes along with it. And what is it simply? That I want what I want. I want when I want it. Instant gratification or pleasure on demand, like video on demand. Pleasure on demand. Their misguided understanding was reflected from the city's sexual culture that was around them and not a reflection of God's design. And that's why a couple of weeks back when I was preaching at the between service, I was preaching actually on sexuality. And the one question that I left with our youth is this, to question about sex and sexuality, is this God's design? Whatever they see, whatever they'll be talking about, whatever they'll be looking at on the internet, I want them to question Is it God's design? Families do that. Is it God's design? Very simple. And I pray it will lead to spiritual conversation. Is it God's design? Sam Aubrey, in his book, Why Does God Care Who I Sleep With? A book that I would like to recommend. Everyone uh, calls for reflection, uh, calls the reflection shifting culture quote. Shifting culture code where as the word of God stands forever, it is culture around God's word or God's people that is shifting. And he goes on to share the heart of the matter on sexuality. And I quote, sexuality is far more than a passage of fluids. I love this. It is a deeply sacred act, a holy fire to be shared exclusively between husband and wife in their marital union. The act signifies something larger, something more significant than the act itself. End quote. Sex is spiritually significant because, my friends, we are created in the image of God. Our sexuality is not defined by culture, experience, nor environment. God designed it. And He designed it with love, with pleasure, and with a greater purpose of redemption. As the image that a couple carries in sex and marriage reflects the covenantal union between Christ and His church. And where do we read that from? We read it from Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says it this way, For this reason, 
a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Old Testament reference. And then it goes on to say in verse 32, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Christ and the church. In our freedom, we may mistakenly believe that we can do whatever we desire, including engaging in casual sex. However, Paul reminds us that though we have freedom, this freedom is won by Christ, who expressed the love of God by sacrificing himself on the cross. Sex as God's design within the context of covenant reflects God's love and faithfulness. Sex is God's design. Christ is our master. We will not be mastered by anything else other than Christ, our Lord. Amen? Amen. And as God's people, we seek His guidance then. And we submit even this aspect of our lives to His Lordship. Second, sex is more than a physical appetite. It is a spiritual union that mirrors the profound unity we have with Christ as believers. By engaging in sex outside of God's design, we begin to distort this sacred connection and diminish the significance of God's design for sex within the context of the church. Tim Keller puts it nicely for us. Sexuality is a deeply spiritual aspect of our life. It is meant to be an expression of love, of intimacy, and self-giving that mirrors the love of Christ for the church. When we distort or misuse this gift or even abuse, we fail to fully reflect God's intention for us. End quote. God's design for sexuality involves self-giving. Just as Christ died and gave Himself up for us, we are God's image bearers to this scriptural truth. What does that mean? That means our sexual desires, my friends, invites us to pursue covenant. Our sexual desire invites us to pursue covenant. To pursue what it means to be in a covenantal relationship. For the Christian couple, I say to you that the discipleship of our sexuality is the opportunities to love God by loving and the giving of ourselves to our closest neighbor. And that is our spouse. Sexual intimacy within marriage then is the celebration of the covenantal union. It is the giving of ourselves for the good of one another, not just a passage of fluids. For the dating and single, I say to you that your discipleship is your faithfulness. It's your faithfulness to give all of yourselves to the Lord in this season of your life. God first, partner second. And you bring that discipleship into marriage when God provides, when the right one comes along. 
for sexual faithfulness is the representation of the sector, the spiritual union and covenant. Third point. Sexual immorality is sinning against the very presence of God within us. Paul reminded the Corinthians that as believers, they are temples of the Holy Spirit. Straightforward. And so engaging in sexual immorality is not just a personal transgression, a personal decision, but a sin against God because we are dishonoring His very presence within us. Through our faith in Christ, we have become temples of the Holy Spirit as Paul has preached in this last two verses. Therefore, whenever we engage or we find ourselves engaging in casual sex, in sexual sin, we sin against the very presence of God indwelling us. We sin against the very presence of God indwelling us. Now we must understand the gravity of this truth that God is indeed with us. It is more than just a warm spiritual feeling. God indwelling within us through the Holy Spirit makes us one with God. We stand in the very presence and holiness of God because God wants to establish a spiritual relationship with us. It is more than just being a witness of God's working. We are carrying, my friends, we are carrying God's presence with us and we carry it with us into our relationships. We carry the presence of God with us into our families, into our workplace, with our loved ones. By understanding these three theological realities, I hope we recognize the Lordship of Christ in our sexuality, to honour the spiritual significance of sex and to reject casual sex, sexual sin, as a sin against God's presence within us. And as we centre ourselves on God's design, the transformation will be categorised by us embracing two sexual destinies of the Christian faith. The first one being this, that we move from doing what we want with our bodies to our bodies being sacred vessels. Sacred vessels redeemed as members of Christ. One with Jesus in spirit. We move from doing what we want with our bodies to our bodies being sacred vessels. Our bodies is not meant for sexual sin or abuse. They're members of Christ himself. As believers, we are intimately united with Christ in spirit. And this reality should inform us how we view and honour our bodies. How as believers, our identity is first founded in Christ. That our bodies are indeed no longer our own. He has been bought with a price. Does this reality give great weight upon your hearts? Does this reality bring forth the glory of God once again and bring significance to how we steward our body, especially our sexual lives? Second, 
we move from seeing sex as just physical to seeing sex as deeply spiritual, as intended by God, as designed by God. Going back to the context of 1 Corinthians, Paul urges his hearers to flee from sexual sins rather than to shamelessly indulge in it. He emphasized the importance of choosing sex as designed by God within the context of marriage when he quoted the Old Testament, where I believe it is a mutual expression of self-giving love. By fleeing sexual sins and embracing God's design, we honour God. We honour God individually. We honour God as a couple in our marriages. We honour God as a faith community. And we experience the fullness of His blessings in this area of our lives. Understanding these two sexual destinies as disciples of Christ, we recognize that our bodies are sacred vessels. We recognize that there is something more that happens in sex than just physical pleasure. Because my friends, as much as one would like to, he or she can never go to bed with someone and leaves their souls parked outside, isn't it? There's no such thing as sex that's just physical. It is always more than that. In fact, verse 18 tells us that when we sin sexually, the impact on our soul is more profound than other kinds of sin, for we are sinning against our own bodies. We are sinning against our own bodies. There is no such thing as casual sex that is just casual. It always has a profound impact in our spirit, which brings me to my final thought, the one great lie. And the lie is this, that we are of our own. The lie that we are of our own. In the last two verses, as I have packed as that big idea, Paul addresses the lie that our bodies belong to ourselves. And that is what was happening in that culture, in the city of Corinth. The sex in the city. He reminded the Corinthians that as believers, their bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, purchased with a great price by God's sacrifice through Jesus Christ. Therefore, they do not have the right to do as they are pleased with their bodies. Paul teaches that as disciples of Christ, we are called to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, Romans 12. And that, my friends, includes our sex life and thoughts, which is to be lived up in a way that aligns with what God intends to be, because through that, we are giving God all the glory to live lives that are set apart, set apart from how the world is defining the sexual culture. We need to reclaim it as God's design. In our culture, the prevailing lie is that our body belongs to ourselves, right? We get to do what we like to do. We have the right to do as we please with them. However, 
Paul reminds his readers and us today that as God's and Jesus' disciples, our bodies have been redeemed by God. We are not our own. We belong to Him. And so as a church, as we embrace this truth, I pray that the Lord will transform us and continue to do His work to revolutionize and claim back the perspective on sex and our responsibility to honor God with our bodies. And in saying that, I hope to give us a space right now. A space right now to allow God to do His work as I go through with us what it means for us perhaps. You know, the next steps that we can take as we continue in these years as a church, that we want to be intentional discipleship. And so the first is this, and, and even as I go through these points, you know, I hope uh, to invite us, you know, to go into a posture of reflection. Perhaps for you in this journey, to ask yourself, where are you right now in this matter? The first discipleship lesson is this. Are you surrendering to Christ's Lordship? And this goes across marriage or if you're dating or if you're single. Are you surrendering this aspect to Christ's Lordship? Are you surrendering your desires your sexual choices and behaviours regarding to sex, to Christ's authority, and to seek His guidance, His teaching, His word, in aligning our lives with His design. Where are you right now in your re-surrender? How are you cultivating holiness in relationships? How is your interaction with your partner in marriage or in dating or with friends for singles? How are you interacting as God's image? As God's image. Are you proclaiming and professing that you are set apart for Christ alone? For all of us, are we guarding our hearts and our minds when it comes to sex and sexuality? Do we know what we are letting in to our hearts and minds when we interface with the media today, with entertainment, in conversations. Where are you in guarding yourself for the love of Christ? How are you drawing near to God instead 
of drawing away. For some of us, just now I observed that about a third of us to half are not in small group ministries. I'm a big believer in small groups. And I'm not talking about just small group ministries, but faith communities. You know, people that you allow another to speak into your life. I'm big in that. Because I too struggle in this matter. I too have to seek accountability, especially in my young adult days. And I have to confess that it was my small group that journeyed with me closely and to always remember to help me draw near to Christ. Not easy. Ranging hormones. My wife then girlfriend, too beautiful. How are we seeking accountability with our sexuality? Last. Embrace God's grace and forgiveness. And when I was writing this last discipleship lesson, the Lord just brought to mind that there are those that have been hurt. That there are those that have been seeking breakthrough. Perhaps you are one that that is struggling with, with pornography. And that you are aware. But then it's so difficult to find that breakthrough. To say no, I find my delight and satisfaction in the Lord. It's just so difficult. Perhaps some of us in marriage are starting to look the other way. Are starting to have second glances. Oh Lord, have mercy and help me to look at you and to look at my spouse. Help me to find my delight in you and to be satisfied because I am loved. And then there's some of us that perhaps in the season where you are seeking, you are looking, you are praying for a partner and in that moments of darkness you are dealing with disappointments. Perhaps you have given yourself too much and that those steps back hurt. The Lord is with you. You are still carrying the presence of God with you. And even as you find strength to flee from sexual immorality, flee, flee towards a friend, a loved one that you know can carry God's presence with you and bring you back to His fold. Where are you, my friends, right now?
Open up your hands like me and know that we are receiving still the workings of the Holy Spirit within us where we find peace, yes but where we find delight and satisfaction as well because just like the Samaritan woman that that met Jesus at the well Jesus became her living water Oh Lord, indeed, you satisfy. You delight. And you fail. You quench out us. You are with us. And so, if your heart is open, if your hands are receiving. Know that the Lord is with you. Know that as you turn your eyes upon Him, He is looking down on you. And He is receiving you with arms wide open. Oh Lord, we thank you for this time. We want to continue to press in, oh Lord, because you have spoken. This is your word. And sex is your design. Oh Lord, help us as a church, as individuals, as children of God, to honour you, to please you, to enthrone you, to exalt you, because we are yours. We are yours indeed. We need you, O Lord. We need you. Be our defense. Be our strength. Be our tower. Be our refuge. That we may hide under the wings of your grace. This we pray. In Jesus' name. I want to invite all of us to stand. Right now we're going to just, just as I just thought, that there are just some of us that can continue to allow God to work. You are doing your business with the Lord. And then we're going to respond to the Lord together with just the simple words of profession. A profession that we need, God. A profession that we're acknowledging that He is our righteousness. He is our defense. Even as we flee, we do not need to look back because we are running towards a God who 
who receives us. Come, Holy Spirit, and do your work. Come, Holy Spirit, to heal, to restore. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us, because you are our delight.